Hey guys, welcome to the All Jacked Up podcast. I am your host, Dana Jenkins, and I am all jacked up in all kinds of good ways. Everything we talk about on this podcast is going to come from a place of us being all jacked up about Jesus. But more importantly, everyone on this podcast, whether it's me, your host, or someone we're interviewing, we're all jacked up and need Jesus. So if you're all jacked up, you're in the right place. What's up, what's up, podcast people? I know you guys love it when I sing the intro. Um, actually, I have yet to have somebody say, man, you know what I really love? I love when you sing the intro, but um, I love it, so it's going to continue to happen. Um, hey, I hope everybody's doing great this week. Uh, this podcast is going to be a little bit different. Uh, I'm super excited about it, but it's going to have a little bit of a different feel just because of the the content that we're going to cover. The content is going to be, um, goodness, it's, it's going to be deep, and we're just going to let some stuff hang out. But let me introduce who I have on the podcast today. I have the... Nori Glazebrook Mueller. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for that lovely intro. Yeah. I really like when you sing the intro. Hey, that's what I'm talking about, Nori. Oh my gosh, it just made my day. Let me tell you guys a little bit about Nori. Um, goodness, Nori and I have known each other, I don't even, for a long, long time. I knew you long when time. you were in high school, mm-hmm. and we, we kind of joke about this a little bit. I was coaching at Furman, mm-hmm. and you were a baller pitcher at a high school literally right down the road, and I wanted yes. you to play for me so bad, and you yes. kind of, you it were like- too close to my house. <laughs> Also, you have to be really smart, and that was intimidating. <laughs> you do have to be really smart to Shout get a out Furman. Shout to all the Furman yes. people listening. Y'all smarties. All of the all Furman, of yeah, the brainiacs out Gosh, there. Yes. So, um, yeah. but I, I, I wanted, I recruited Nori. I wanted her and um, thought, I, you know, I thought I had a shot because, you know, we were, we were right there in the backyard, but literally, I think that's what kind of kept her away, but... <laughs> Um, Nori actually ended up going to Kennesaw State and she played there for two years uh, and then transferred to University of Georgia where she played for a year and a half. And uh, is that where you, you met Charlie at Georgia? Is that right or no? Oh, no, no, no. We go way back. You go way back. I met Charlie. The first time I saw Charlie, I was running cross country in the seventh grade for TR high school. <laughs> he was in high school. Uh Okay. Wow. And I'm like, who's that guy? And he's like, who's that girl? And I'm always like, you're such a creep. (laughs) I'm in seventh grade. I'm in seventh grade, you weirdo. (laughs) And he was like, well, I kind of knew. And I'm like, well, that's illegal, I think. (laughs) So, no, but we we got to know each other through TR First Baptist Youth Group over the years. And we were just friends. And I I get to tell my kids now, hey, it's really great to be best friends with somebody before you marry them. Absolutely. Like, that's just a sweet gift of the Lord. So I knew Charlie a long time. When I was at Georgia, we were married. So okay. I was this okay. very different kind of athlete experience who, like, I was the only one in the entire athletic world at Georgia who was yeah. married as somebody. In that's that. crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, but I remember Charlie thing. talking about going to the softball games at Georgia and being the number one fan. Dude. Is that right? So they have like a pizza giveaway. <laughs> It's for children. (laughs) 
obviously. <laughs> but, you know, midweek game, not a lot of folks there. Yeah. He's just going nuts. They give it to the loudest person. He's like in the pizza deliverer's face, <laughs> screaming. <laughs> and all the girls in the dugout are just looking at me like, hey, do you see? I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm very well aware. They're like, that's your husband. Oh, my. Like, so <laughs> many stories like that of them being like, do you see him? And I'm like, yeah, you don't. I know. Oh, that's so great. Oh, my gosh. And if you guys like, I want you guys at home to get a picture of Charlie um, because he is, he's probably one of the sweetest dudes I've ever met. I mean, he's, he's literally one of the sweetest guys. Now I got to ask this before I start describing him. Is his hair still longer? Dude, he's going for it. I don't like for months. I was like, "Uh, what's going on? What are you doing here? He was like, I don't know. I just think I'm, I'm going to go for it. He wants a ponytail. No. And he can put it right now into this nasty little (laughs) short. When he does it, I'm like, Oh, please take that out. Okay, so um, Charlie has red hair. Red hair, yeah. yeah and, and a beard. And a be- a red beard. And he's got the long hair flowing now. Oh my goodness. He's really going for it. And, and he's, he's just he's just a different he's but he's he's literally one of the sweetest people I think I've ever met. Like he's just you, you can you can spend five minutes with the dude and know that he's got a good heart. Yeah, he's a good listener. We think that's that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. <laughs> he's good. He's a good guy. So here is why we we have Nori on the show today. So today we talked about the content is going to be a little bit different. Today we're going to talk about grief and it is it's it's not one of the most favorite things that that people are like, "Oh man, I can't wait till I can get to somebody and and really dig in mm-hmm. on grief." It's mm-hmm. something that I think we avoid. It's something that I think we all struggle with how to deal with it and am I doing it right Mm -hmm. and am I doing it well? Mm -hmm. So today we're going to talk about grief and and this is why. This is why in my mind, Nori is the right person to do this. So uh, Nori has a younger sister, Rachel Glazebrook. And again, like I, I feel like I've known the Glazebrooks for a long time, but uh, Rachel actually played um, high school softball here in Greenville. Uh, she played one year at Georgia Tech mm-hmm. and then transferred to North Greenville and finished out her career at North Greenville and, mm-hmm. and literally just took North Greenville to a different place. Mm-hmm. I mean, just Rachel was a pitcher um, and really just, again, like took North Greenville's program from, I mean, just kind of not, not the bottom. They were never at the bottom, but just really, she took them up several mm-hmm. notches just by being there. But, but here's a little bit of Rachel's story. So after Rachel got done with North Greenville, she started coaching. She was in the coaching world. She actually coached uh, for FCA travel team one summer. We had um, Rachel coach. Remember this? Yes, like Rachel coached with FCA one summer, cool. which was really yeah, it was really neat. That is great. Um, but Rachel went on to be the assistant coach at Shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was at Gardner Webb for a little bit, and mm-hmm. then uh, she was at a school called Union uh, mm-hmm. in Tennessee, and. Literally, uh, one night, uh, Rachel is the assistant coach at Union. She leaves practice, goes about her day, um, and literally one night, she goes to bed and does not wake up the next morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, tell, and this was in 2018. Yeah. So how old was Rachel? She was 27. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. 27 years old. Yeah. Um, she went to sleep. And, um, she didn't wake up the next morning. And so she was missing from a team meeting and that was strange to the coach who, by the way, was the same age as her. And it was her first job, her first head coaching job. Her name's Mac. Um, she is 
I mean, just so many God things. She is a wonderful, wonderful girl. And we're so thankful Rachel was there with her. But um, she was missing. So Mac called me. I don't think I had ever met her. I think I had like said, hey, on FaceTime before when I was FaceTiming Rachel. But she called me. Uh, it's a weird Texas number. I'm like, I'm not answering that. Yeah. And I don't answer it. And then they leave a voicemail. And I'm like, oh, I better check that. And she basically just says, Rachel didn't come to a meeting, and I um, I went to her apartment. She didn't answer the door. I called the police. They went in, and they found her unresponsive. And, mm. like, in that moment, listening to that, that voicemail, I'm, like, searching in my brain for, like, what does that word mean? What is right. unresponsive? Like, is she asleep and then woke up? Or, like, what does that mean? Right. Um, <clears throat> and so I call her back, and she's, she's like, doing, trying to do a good job being very calm. And she's, like, hey how are you? And I'm like, no, just say what you're going to say. Yeah. And, you know, and she says the same thing. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm just, I'm the sort of person who just like once, just give me, just rip the bandaid off. Right. <laughs> just tell me exactly. Right. And Hit I'm me like, with it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, so let me get this straight. You are Mac and you coach at union with my sister, Rachel Glazebrook. And you are calling me to tell me that she is dead. And she was like, yes. And then for some weird reason, I guess, um, I don't know. I think I have trust issues. <laughs> I was like, and you're not joking. And she was like, no. Oh and then goodness. I just let out this cry, um, like this just sound that I'll never, I don't ever want to make again in my life and kind of fell to the ground and um, and just cried and cried. And, and she said, hey, you are the only number I have. Oh. I do not have anyone else's number. And then I realized, oh, I have to call one of my parents. Oh my gosh! And tell them. And I knew, I knew it was going to be my dad and and not my mom. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, that was just the worst moment of my life. Um, and I remember saying, "Have mercy!" Like just at begging God, like please have mercy, please have mercy, please have mercy. And I don't even know what I meant. Like I think I meant please help all this be wrong. Like she's yeah. alive somehow, Yeah, you know? Um, but those were my words that I just kept saying. And I did call my dad and I told him to, to go tell mom in person. I knew where she was and, you know, I'm, and, uh, my brother called me and he said he'd come right over. And Charlie, actually, this is just, there was, there's too many God things to like mention all of them, but this one was pretty sweet. Charlie and I had like almost gotten in a fight the day before because he was off that day. And he was like, why did I ask off? I was like, I don't know. Wow. And he was like, well, I'm off. Do you know? Like, why did we do this? And I'm like, I'd just go work somewhere at that. <laughs> whatever. We owned yeah. another house at the time. Yeah. And he was like, okay, that's fine. And then, you know, he's off and he's available to me. So I, I call him and that was just the Lord's mercy there and just yeah. saying, hey, I got you. Um, and man, I don't remember like every person that came to my house that day, but I know there were a lot. Um, and I do remember the first one, my parents actually <clears throat> union is like eight hours from here. Long, long way. Yeah. So they, they just get in the car and leave and I don't even see them. I didn't see them. Um, they just, they had to go. Right. And I totally get that. And, um, but the first person to come to the house other than, than Charlie, um, was uh, a man who I have known, he probably held me when I was a baby, uh, Mr. Alan Bunn. And um, he is one of my parents' dearest friends, him and his wife. And they lost their son 
almost to the day, 18 years before Rachel died. Wow. When he was a, a teenager. And um, his name was Joseph. And um, he was the first person to come over and hug me. And I'll never forget that hug. Mm. Um, just the kind of, he just kind of crashed into me and held me. And it was just like the Lord saying, hey, your parents aren't here. But this man who loves you mm. like you're his daughter is here for you. And I am here for you. Um Man, there were just so many moments like that. I also remember it from that day saying, and we, we'll come circle back around to this later, but just saying to my to Charlie, I want to sit outside because I want to feel the sun on my face. And I think about that still sometimes. Why did I want to feel that? And I think it's because when you're in the dark, when you're in the pit, like creation does provide this reminder that God is with you. Like, mm. I wanted to feel warmness on my face. Like, that is coming from somewhere. It is still there. Though my heart feels completely cold and broken, I'm not. Like, I, I am still being held by a father who loves me. And and so, yeah, I, I, um, I, I don't remember everything from that day, but I yeah. remember being held by the Lord. So, wow. Yeah. That's powerful. And how... Crazy. I, I say crazy, but it's a God thing that the man that came over to your house first, he had been where your family are. Absolutely. I mean, it, and it was. He's, they're my parents' best and dearest friends. Wow. I mean, who writes that? Right. Only God. Right. Right. Like, I just, it, that to me still remains just unbelievable that Mr. and Mrs. Bunn, we knew them through that trial that many years ago. I mean, I remember Joseph's memorial service, all of it. Um, and, and thankfully he had given his life to Christ and he is with Jesus too. But, and I, we were raised with them. I mean, like I was in their house when I was a kid, Daniel, his brother was my best friend. Mm. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that had to be comforting somebody oh so goodness. familiar, but on top of that, somebody that knew what you were going through, knew the grief. Yeah. yeah. Who knew it? Cause it's, it's different. I think, you know, I mean, yes. it's, and that's one of the things that, you know, as we go through grief, one of the things, it, it looks different for mm -hmm. everybody. Mm -hmm. How you handle grief, how you go through it, it looks different, yeah. right? And yeah. I think, you know, we we as a society, we don't really know how to to do it well because there's not there's not a manual, right? Right, right. yeah. And so, you know, when, it's, when we say like grief, it's okay for it to look different for you than it does for me or, right. or for Mr. Bunn, like that's okay, yeah. right? But in the same token, it's kind of like uncharted territory. Absolutely. When you go through it. Because yeah. you're like, can somebody tell, tell me, me how to get through this? Yes, yes. And so I, and I've thought about grief a lot and written a lot about, about grief. And um, it's weird because there are, it is different. Every relationship, because it's based off of the relationship. Right. And every relationship is so complex among people. And it's just going to be different based on your relationship. And you may be grieving the fact that your relationship, like we are, was wonderful. Rachel was my best friend. Yeah. She was my mom's best friend and my mom's daughter. And we grieve that. And then other people, oh, I didn't have a good relationship with them. And they grieve that. Right. So it's, it is different. But... There's also similarities. Everyone feels isolated in grief. Mm. Everyone feels lonely. Mm -hmm. Everyone feels that pain of missing someone. Um, 
I've heard it described as an uninvited guest who comes to live in your house and you have to figure out how to deal with them. Mm. And I think that's a good picture because they're not going anywhere. Like, and that's, I think the American very much in the West, we're like, all right, how do we accomplish it? And it's like, oh man, you don't. Right. You don't. Some things are sad until you see the face of Jesus Christ. Like, it's going to be sad until that day. And time changes how you react to the sadness, but it doesn't change the fact that it's sad. It will be sad the day I die that Rachel died before me. It just will. Like, Mm -hmm. that doesn't change. And there's no amount of like, oh, but these good things, no, those don't make up for it. People a lot of times bring up the book of Job. Love the book of Job. Yeah, me too. Me too. Love it. And people are like, well, Job got everything back in the end. Except all those kids. Right. He didn't. Right. You know, but God restored him and was faithful to him. And what he came to know was the depth of the love and the faithfulness of God. But he didn't get everything back. Right. Um, And I think that's something that it's hard for us because we want to say, okay, I'm I'm getting through grief. No, it's you're you're learning how to live with it. Yeah. And I think that. That is important. And we don't, that's living, uh, Jerry Sitzer, who wrote one of my favorite books on grief, talks about how we're, we're not great at living in tension. We like, we don't want the tension. Right. We want to be like, okay, we got a bow on it. Cool. Yeah. No, yeah. there's not a bow on death. Right. It's awful. Yeah. Um, now it's Easter weekend and we know the hope of Sunday. That's right. And that is a bow. That's right. You know what I mean? Um, but it's not finished right. yet. Like, right. It's not all the way. We're not. I mean, it's finished for Rachel. I envy her. I'm going to mm. be like, hey, you beat me and I'm mad. <laughs> Except you can't be mad. Megan, so we'll work that out. I was going to say, so <laughs> that's funny because it brings up, I want to talk about how much of a competitor you are. You know, like yeah. uh, you're you're a former athlete, former coach, and you're just a competitive person. You're one of those people that... You know, like like we were talking before we started the podcast, um, your husband was saying something uh, and you were like, keep telling me I'm going to forget it. Keep telling because I doubting me. Yeah. Yes. Keep doubting me Do because it. I am going to love proving you wrong. Right. And, and again, I'm such a grown up. <laughs> oh well, goodness. and when I say competitor, I'm not talking like just any regular competitor for those of you guys out there like I need you guys to understand what kind of a competitor. So Nori has four children. And two dogs. Can't forget the two dogs. Um, dogs. But she has four children and two of them she's had in a baby pool in her living room. And one just in the bed. So (laughs) So what I I had three home births. Yes. Oh, my God. And I can't remember coming to your house. And I can't remember if it was after the first or second child. But coming to your house and all I wanted, I wanted to be like, Oh my God, where's the baby pool? Like, what have you, you done? You were worried about it? Yes. yes. You thought I was going to like make you wash your hands in it. Oh my goodness. They take it away. It doesn't stay there. Oh goodness. But that's like, that's yeah. a competitiveness that I'll be honest, as, as competitive as I am, mm-hmm. I just don't have that. Like yeah. they're, they're. I, I do like to, to, yeah, to win or be the best at everything. Like it was oh never enough gosh. for it just to be softball. Like I, I wanted to be the best in the classroom. I wanted to right. buy everything. I'm like, I want to be the best at yeah. that. And a lot of, you know, a lot of that's bad. But <laughs> <laughs> the Lord has, has worked through me to realize like, 
hey, this, I, you know, the gifts I have can be used for his glory. And I think just things have changed in my life where I'm still competitive, but I feel like my heart motivation, thanks be to God, <laughs> is growing toward just for excellence in his name, yeah. not for, yeah. a, you know, me yeah. to win or yeah. whatever. Because yeah. I can be, you know, being competitive, you're right, it can be a good thing as far as athletically. But yeah. let, let's talk about being competitive and having that mentality and going through deep grief. Right. Do you think as a competitor, it was there any time during your your initial grieving process? Because like you said, time... Uh, it, the grief doesn't go away, but we get a little bit better at dealing with it. We get a little bit, yeah, hopefully, um, I, I, more accustomed. I guess I don't know. I don't know if it becomes more familiar to us. But in the in the initial stages of that grief, you know, with with you being that competitor, did mm-hmm. that ever cross your mind? Like, I'm going to get through this, and I, I'm going to and I'm going to tackle this, and I'm going to conquer this. And yeah, I think especially during the first year. I was like, I remember waking up every day and part of this is just because of the nature of Rachel's death. It was what's called an out of order death. And that's different than like, we know our parents are going to die at some point in our life. We, we get that. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't make it necessarily easier, but it, it makes it more logical. It's the natural progression. It makes it more natural. Yeah. And so this was so unnatural and shocking. And I remember during the first year, just saying every morning I would wake up and out loud, I would say, Rachel is not alive. Mm. And It was like I was trying to, I thought, okay, if I can make myself hear it, then I will believe it faster, I will understand it faster, and I'll be done with it quicker. Mm. And that was not true. But it's like like you were were going, like trying to reach a goal. Right, yeah. Like I can accomplish this. I mean, I think I wrote that somewhere in my journal was like, there is no accomplishing grief. The accomplishment is saying, I can't do this, God help me. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that takes time, especially if you're a person like me who, who thinks, yeah, I pretty much think I can do most anything because I'm prideful (laughs) and man, grief. I've never experienced anything so humbling as looking at the face of death. Mm. It is the last enemy. That's what Paul calls it. And I think once you're there, you just are brought to your knees. Um, And I think if you don't look at it. Uh, if you choose to be like, I can just, I can just motor on. I can just keep doing my thing and ignore it. Good luck with that, because you're, you're not. It's not gonna. Last, you can't do that forever. Right. You just really can't. I agree. And that will get you into a really sad place. And I think for me, the hardest part, but the part that somehow became such a privilege, was leaning into it and saying, "Okay, Lord, I'm gonna look at this." And I'm going to talk to you about it, and I'm going to read about it, and I'm going to cry a lot about it, and I'm going to trust that your everlasting arms are going to be there. And if they're not, I'm going to hold you to it. Right. Guess what? He doesn't fail. Mm. His love never failed me. Mm. And you, I don't know that you can do that by yourself. I don't think you can. I think there's just such a component of doing grief in community and you need friends who understand that you're going to lean in and they need to come alongside and lean in with you. Yeah. Um, and because like I said, those, th- those similarities between everyone's grief, 
it's lonely. Mm-hmm. And so just having someone, and I think in America, we're like, well, I don't know what to say to someone. Of course you don't, because there's nothing you can say that will fix it. And we want to fix everything. Yes, we do. And so I think that having friends who say, okay, I'm just going to sit next to you. Mm. I'm just going to be there. And if you need me, I'm right here and I will listen. That, and you know, what, what can you say? People ask me that a lot. What should I say? I'm so sorry. Mm. Those are really good words. Yeah. Um, those are really comforting words to someone because it's saying, I see you. I'm so sad. And I don't really know what to say because no grieving person is like, you better say the right thing right here. That's right. Yeah. No, they just want you to say something. Right. The worst is when people say nothing because Ooh. then it just confirms I'm alone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. We want to fix everything. And, and it's yeah. funny you brought that up. I was going to ask that, like going through that process, you hear all kinds of stuff. Like yeah. I've heard when my grandmother passed, you know, like you hear everything and you yeah. hear, you know, like, Hey, well, God works all things oh, to, man. and I'm like, okay, but this isn't good right now. Like, right. can you just, just say, Hey, I, like you're going through a tough time and, and maybe it will be good. And right. my situation, like it, it changed my life. Right. But in that moment, yeah, you know, like I didn't want to hear that. And, that. you know, I've, I've heard people say, and this is probably the worst one I've heard is, well, God needed another flower Jeez. in his garden. What? <laughs> like who, who wants to hear that? No. Like God needed another flower in his garden. No. Or how about this? Like God needed another angel, you know, or yes. God needed yeah, her worse one. than you need her, you know? And I'm like, no. that, th- none of that's true because one, God doesn't need anything. No. Right. Right. I right. mean, at the end of the day, let's just be honest about that. God right. doesn't need anything. He wants us. Right. But he doesn't need us. Right. Um, so I, I just think, you know, so it's funny that you bring that up just to sit with somebody and just say, Hey, I see you. Right. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And to weep with those who weep. And man, if you want confirmation on if that's biblical or not, just read the life of Christ and mm. look at Jesus. Um, man, he went around, Tim Keller says this in one of his sermons. He's like, do you want to know a guy who went around crying everywhere? Look at Jesus. Cause he did. It's like, he goes over there and he's crying and he goes over here and then he's feasting. And then he's, he's like all over the place. And it's like, are you, a, what's the deal with you, dude? Are you schizophrenic? <laughs> no, he was present to the emotions, what the moment called for. Yeah. So when we're weeping, I don't need somebody to come up and be like, happy Easter. Right. Um, is it? Right. I'm, I'm kind of sad right now. Right. Maybe I just need you to sit and weep with me. Yeah. And yes, Easter in the end is happy, but be present to the moment. And I think much of that, like being wanting to move on Mm -hmm. is the other person's uncomfortableness with your grief. And I think we need to see that like Christ was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Mm. That's who he was. Yeah. You know, and like, that's That's who we're called to be. And, and I think we think, oh, well, it's not right if I'm sad or that's so close to despairing. Oh my goodness. Read the book of Psalms. Mm. Like, and I had a friend tell me at the very beginning, dear friend, who's been just wonderful through grief. And he said, the book of Psalms saved my life. And I really, I think that's been true for me. Like just so many Psalms, they're kind of dark. Like, you know, a third of the Psalms are lament. Right. Right. And, um, we gloss over that and we're like, well, let's just get to the Psalm 139 or whatever, right, you know what I mean? Right, right. Or 119. And it's like, no, actually Psalm 88 ends in darkness. Darkness has become my closest friend. Mm-hmm. And you can say that to God. And guess what? He knows it 
and he knows it more than you. This is Good Friday. Yeah. Like Christ knows the dark yeah. more than you ever actually will because he took on the sin of man, like all of it, yeah. all at once. Why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. I don't have to ever hear that because mm. God doesn't actually forsake me. Mm. Um, so I think, and also I just want to say to people who are, who are going to sit with a friend, like it is enough to sit there and to pray for them. Mm-hmm. I, I know, and my parents feel the same way that people praying for us, man, I like that. I don't, it just gets me teary. That mm-hmm. is people loving me the best way you can love a person is pray for mm-hmm. them. Take them before the throne yeah. of the Father. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're doing that for me because I can't get there right now. Right. Um, and so that I would encourage people who are grieving, pray if you can. If you can't, ask somebody else to. And if somebody mm-hmm. asks you, oh my goodness, please do it for them. Right. They need it. They yeah. need you to take them there. Um, and then maybe some of that, what you want to say to them comes out in your prayer to God. And it's, right. it's not said to them. Like you could pray, help them know that this is going to be okay, Lord, instead of saying, Hey, it's going to be okay. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I do, I think we, we have a tendency to stuff things down. Oh man. Right. Why, why do we do that? Like we have a, I know for me in my family, you know, like I, I was, I was that tender-hearted teenager, man. Mm. Like my parents could have looked at me wrong, and I'd have oh been like, you know, like, oh, go upstairs and slam my door and be like, oh my gosh, why do they hate me? You know, like, <laughs> I mean, yes, hormones are are flying yeah. all over the place, but I'm still pretty tender-hearted. And mm-hmm. there's there's some people that kind of look at that as, oh, why are you, you know, like that? There, there's no need to cry about this. But in my mind, I'm like. But if it hurts, I'm going to cry. Yeah. If I hurt, I'm going to cry. And, and I, I don't want to feel ashamed about that. Right. You know? I yeah. I don't think it's wrong. I, I call that being a passionate person. Yeah. I think Jesus was a passionate man. And so I loved hearing you say, follow, like, just follow Jesus. Yeah. Like, read how he was present to in every yeah. emotion. Yeah. That's, and that's big. Somebody, I think it's Sitzer again, who's, who calls, or it might be this guy. He's an old dead guy. Uh, I like reading <laughs> old dead guys. Uh, he, I think he was a Puritan, but he talks about taking a short view and, and, and something I think that's important is that like Christ, let's take the, the story of Lazarus, which is such a great story. And um, he goes and he knows what he's about to do. He knows there's a feast in like 10 minutes coming and yeah. rejoicing and yeah. great. But what does he do? His heart breaks with Mary and Martha. He weeps. And he weeps with them. He, weeps. he takes time to do that. He has a short view. He doesn't look past it and say, oh, but it's going to be okay. No, no, no. Right now it's really sad. Mm. And you're really sad. And my heart's going to be broken with you and for you. And I think, oh, that's man, good. we got to do that. That's good because we're all about, you know. We're like, well, in two years, it's going to be fine. Well, what about the, the days until the two years? <laughs> right. Not, what, what do I do with that? Yeah. Like, yeah. like we got to stay here. And I think like a verse that, I mean, the Lord has worked into my heart over the years. I think it's Psalm ninety twelve. bad at references, but teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Mm. Like numbering my days mm-hmm. like that's that's called being present mm. I don't know about tomorrow but I know about right now and if I'm with someone who needs me to listen to them I need to listen not to respond because mm-hmm. I think that is our tendency oh I'm listening to give you the right answer no no no. you're just listening right 
Right. Yeah. There's a big difference. There's a big difference there. Yeah. Yeah. But being completely present. That's, that's so good. Um, tell me when you were, I think everyone that goes through grief, Mm -hmm. you find yourself at some point, you know, you mentioned it earlier in a pit, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you feel it's that, that feeling of just being there alone and nobody being able to identify Mm -hmm. with what you're going through, how you're feeling, you're in a pit. Mm -hmm. How, how did you manage being in the pit and how did you get out? Mm. Um, I don't think I got myself out. I'll say that. But, um, you know, practical thing, go outside. Mm. Go on a walk um, every day. Yeah. Let, let yourself feel the the wind coming through you and the sun shining on you. There is something. I mean, I don't. We know what it is. It's that creation speaks to the glory of God. Um, if we don't. This, you know, Christ said, if if they don't say hallelujah, those stones over there are going to cry out. They are mm-hmm. crying out. Yeah. And I think, I think I know a lot of people who have been through grief and they're walkers. They go on walks. And I just think that's just a practical way if you're in the pit to get out. This is a tough one. If you're a Christian and you're grieving, go to church. And it's weird, I, I think, for, for people who aren't grieving to hear, but church is a really hard place to go when you're grieving. Mm. Um, it's hard because there's going to be a lot of people who don't say the right thing. It's hard because there's going to be a lot of people who don't say anything. And it's hard because the very God you're worshiping is the one who, who allowed this grief in your life and you know it. Yeah. And you've got to come. I think every grieving Christian at the end of the day has to come to terms with the sovereignty of God. Yeah. And like he did allow this. And I love John Piper's words. He says, there's a billion reasons God does something. Cause a lot of people are like, okay, this is why Rachel died. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> like I don't, uh, great, you know, hypothesis, but you're a human. <laughs> right. And there's a billion reasons. Yeah. And, and thank the Lord for his mercy that he has shown us some of those and like shown us some workings in people's hearts and letters we've gotten Years after her death, which wow. is amazing. It's cool. And it's cool. I still want Rachel back, you know, like sure. that's still true. But I think that church is hard because you have to come to fa- to the, to face with the fact that the Lord, the God you're worshiping is the one who allowed it yeah. and you're there. And it's hard. It's, it's so hard to go to church, but, but on the other, like the reason I'm saying that you gotta go being in the body. And I'm so thankful for parents who they drove eight hours. They cleaned out her apartment when they went, did all these things. This was on a Wednesday and they came back and they were like, we're going to church. They came back Saturday night and they were like, we're going tomorrow. Wow. And I'm like, oh, thank you Lord for my parents and for just the example that they set for me. Cause I probably would have been like, oh, I'll just be in my bed. Right. But how am I not going to go? It's their kid. Right. You know, and right. so yes, of course I'm there weeping my brains out. And, and another part about being there is even if no one says anything to you, yeah, that'll hurt. But if you go to a church where there is liturgy and words spoken, you can, and th- I have, I did this for years. I still do this sometimes. I don't say the words because I'm either crying too much or it's just too hard, but I listen to the saints around me saying them for me. Mm. And man, that is so encouraging. So encouraging. Um, And just hearing the word of God preached and taking communion, all the sacraments, those things. 
are just special. So I would say, yeah, get outside, go to church, and hopefully you have a friend or two. I am like I mentioned earlier, I'm married to my best friend, and Charlie, <laughs> bless him, uh, he was he was not he's not super in touch with his emotions. <laughs> He's super in touch with the emotion of yelling at games, whatever that emotion is, <laughs> uh, yelling at sporting events. But no, just not like not a big crier and stuff like that. But he very sweetly, like I'll never forget this, standing in my kitchen the day Rachel died. And I said, I think I'm going to be sad about this for a really long time. Is that okay? And he looked at me and he said, I know that you are. And yes, it is. And he just hugged me. And man, him just allowing me to be sad and just being such a great listener. And never, I've never felt like he needs me to be done with it. Um, mm-hmm. He loves to bring it up. I mean, that is a gift. When a friend says, hey, this happened and I thought of that one that you loved. Mm-hmm. Or, or someone telling you a story about them that you've never heard. Yeah. Precious, yeah. precious things. Um. But going back to your question about the pit, I mean, the Lord drew me out of it. Listening to good music when I couldn't read, you know, it's hard to read. I mean, grief aside, sometimes it's hard to read the word of God to be in prayer in life. And just hearing good music. I mean, there are so many songs. And Rachel loved music and listening to her playlists and the songs that she loved and, and receiving encouragement from that. I mean... The pit is real. Um, I mean, the Psalms talk about it. Yeah. And it's him who, it's God who draws us out. Yeah. And the the, the hard part of that is like, how long are you going to make me mm. be in here? Like, how long are you going to make me wait? And I don't, you don't get to know the answer to that. Yeah. You know, you yeah. just have to be where you are and trust that he is going to pull you out one yeah. day. Yeah. And I, I think when you said, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you said go to church, one, because it, yes, go to church and, and, and come to faith, come face to face with worshiping the God that allowed this to happen. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you said this, um, and I love it, like God is just, but that That's doesn't, that doesn't mean that he's, that it's fair to us. Right. Him being just can be unfair to us and that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. that's, yeah. so God being just, uh, just because we look at it as in, oh, oh my goodness, you know, like I can't believe this happened to me and this isn't fair. It doesn't change the fact that God is sovereign and he's right. good. And, and, you know, we, we hear his plan is better than our plan all the time. And, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it that. It doesn't feel like it. Yeah. And I think that's what I would say. We have a saying in our house because man, we have children who like to argue in our house <laughs> and we're just like. The notion of fairness, like that, you know, what is fair is that on this day, we all die on a cross. That's Mm. actually what's fair. Mm. You deserve death, but all of life is grace. And so in our house, we say only God can say fair because only God can say fair. We have a human notion of what is fair, but no, he knows what is just and right. And the hardest part of life is being able to say thy will be done. But mm. pray, thanks be to God that Christ said it for us. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. And that's what grief has been is just coming back to, okay, I don't want this. I want a different story. Three and a half years later, I still want a different story. Your will be done. Yeah. 
And it is funny. You said this earlier. Um, when you guys listen to this podcast, uh, I, as you everybody knows, I release the podcast on every Wednesday. But today that we're doing this one, it's Good Friday. Mm-hmm. And when you and I were trying to set up, you know, you said, I've, I've got the morning of Good Friday. And how perfect is that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Tender and so, mercy. Like, yeah. There's just so many places where God winks at us. Yeah. If we'll just look and see. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's so cool. So having this conversation about grief on Good Friday when it was the darkest mm. hour, you know, anyone would ever know. Right. Right. I mean, it's just and, and to to have Jesus fully God, fully man to to go through that darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just he goes before us with everything. With everything. He goes before us, yes. which is so cool. So. Um, and that, you know, I was kind of scrolling through Facebook today and, and everybody, I love the saying, but everybody is saying, Hey, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. But Sunday's coming. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think with grief, it's one of those things we know Sunday is coming, mm-hmm. but we, we know that Sunday is coming in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. But when you go through grief, Sunday's coming. But like you said at the beginning, our Sunday may not come until we see Jesus face to face. Yeah. It might be a long time. Right, right. And so that's where, you know, it's it's incredibly, the, the just the process, grieving through that, it's just tough. It's tough. And we're humans and things are allowed to be hard. Yeah. I think as competitors, sometimes we're like, no, 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 I can do this. It's, and I, I'm like, man up, chin up. <laughs> right. You know? I'm not right. going to bend over after the sprints. And it's like, man, no, God doesn't ask us to bear heavy things with a smile on our face. Mm. He doesn't. He does ask you to bear heavy things, but he's doing it alongside you, before you, all yeah. around you. And he, he doesn't, it's not about a smile on your face. He knows that things are hard. He wept like we did. Yeah. It, it, and it, it is years away. And I, that's when you have to go back to that teaching me to number my days. You can get ahead of the grace, right? Mm. Like if I start thinking about, oh my goodness, one day my parents will die. I'll have to continue grieving Rachel without them who they have been, you know, they're my best friends. Some of my best friends. And then you just can just spiral into like all this worry and anxiety. And God's like, man, stay right here with me today. I have given you enough for today. Mm. So just trust me today. And I think we, we need to be reminded of that through his word and through the words of other people. And we need to, to remember that it's okay just to say, I got to live today. Yeah. And I mean, I'm telling you in the first year of grief, you're saying I got to live the next 30 minutes, Mm. next hour. That's big though, because I do think that sometimes we get ahead of grace Mm -hmm. because, I mean, you look back to how God provided manna for the Israelites Mm -hmm. and what did they want to do? Like when it first happened, they wanted to take as much right, as they could, right, right? Right, And God was like, hey, hey I got you. Like today, yeah. you know, and I'm going to provide again for you tomorrow. Right. But you're just getting what you need today. Right. So, and, and when they got more than what they needed, it went bad. You know, right, and, and right. it was, so we, gosh, we as a human race have been trying to do that. Since the beginning. Of Since time. the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, but, but isn't that what we do? I mean, yes. we just try and run ahead yeah. and go, well, I'm just, I'm going to get everything that I need. Well, and we God, just constantly forget that he's going to provide what we need. Yeah. And we think we got to store it up. Yeah. It's like, yes. It'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. And that's a huge trusting process right huge. there. It's huge. Yeah. And it like, it's a process. It's a process. Yeah. So 
Man, that and I think that's where the humility piece came in for me is being like, oh, this is a process. I'm not going to accomplish this. Yeah. I just got to lean in to the process and God's going to do the work. Yeah. And that's tough when you're someone who likes to reach goals and check things off your list because yes, that's a, that's a long way from being checked off and I'm not really in charge of it, you know, mm. and just bowing to saying he's got it. I was going to say, and when we're not in charge, I, I'm sure you're like me. I deal with control issues. I like to control things. <laughs> no kidding. I like to control situations. <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. want to control my next move and not only that, but I want to control your next move. Right. You know, if I'm thinking, right, I know what's best for this situation. It's hard for me not to want to control that. I mean, right. it's, it's really, it's a fight. You know, yeah. and so, yeah, to know that you are not in control of that. Oh, my goodness. I mean, and that's where, you know, dependence mm-hmm. comes into play mm-hmm. when you completely go, OK, God, I'm going to be completely dependent on you. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm going to I'm just going to trust right. that you're going to provide me everything mm-hmm. that I need in this moment. That yeah. is that's hard. And I think that's Super. that's one of, you know, I mean, I, I, I do ministry for a job and, and I love it. But the dependence part, it's always pushing me out of my comfort zone. Right. Always. Right. And it, and it's good because it grows me, but I still fight it. Yeah, of course. Like I still. Yeah. You like see day. the fruit and then you're like, oh, but I'm going to go do it my way. And right. you're like, what? Why? Right. Because you're human. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, I feel like God's just looking at me like, girl, like yeah. we've been doing this for how long? And I'm like, I know, I know it's, it's yours and it's about you. And yeah. yeah. so it's just tough, but so Rachel passed away in 2018. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's 2022 right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. I want you to talk about what does your grief look like now versus what it looked like in the beginning? Is there a difference or is there not a difference? Um, that's a good question. I, there's definitely a difference. There's definitely a difference. I think people want to say, well, is it still as sad? Yes, it is. So we, you know, um, I, I always say Americans, maybe it's all people, but I live in America. Uh, <laughs> Americans want to be like, right or wrong? Yes or no? It's like there's only these two answers and you have to pick one. Um, so I think when I say something like it's different, they're like, oh, okay, so it's better. N- no, no. Uh, it's different. Right. And, you know, everyone's grief is different. And I'm a mom with four small-ish kids and that's a lot. And, um, I have known other moms who have gone through grief and it kind of, um, it, it makes it hard to do. They're a bit interruptive <laughs> to your grief. <laughs> I will never forget, which I laugh about now, but on the phone with Charlie, I think outside telling him the, the terrible, terrible news on that day. And my two year old, I think at the time standing on the porch screaming, I want a cookie. And I remember oh being gosh. like, what? is my life like what is about to happen because that's not going away right I want a cookie is not going anywhere it's getting bigger and there's four of them and yeah and so I think that has affected my grief you know I don't always get to grieve when I when I'm like almost in the middle of it and somebody comes in and interrupts and and one thing I'll speak to that is like if that is where you are um a counselor has Mm. that that's scheduling your grief that that's a good thing Mm. that that is a doable thing like I know I have to go to this place to talk to somebody about a hard sad thing is it fun no 
Yeah. Does it feel like throwing up a little bit? (laughs) But then when it's over, you feel better and you almost want to go back another time again. Yeah. Um, So I think that's important for people who find themselves to be like super busy or workaholics even who like, I just don't have time for it. Mm. You need to make time for it because it is, it is there and it does have to be dealt with. Um, But so I think mine has been a bit slower just because of the season of my life. Um, yeah, it has become, you know, in the beginning, the first couple years, it was only sad. And I didn't know, I wasn't sure. And I would say to God, I don't know if I'm ever going to have joy again. Mm. Like, I just really long for heaven. Can you please just come and get me? Yeah. Like any time is good. Um, but I think now it is more like, I know things will be joyful. Sunday, we will have an Easter brunch. There will be children everywhere, and there will be running in my backyard and probably in my house. Screaming for cookies. Screaming for cookies (laughs) when they have candy in their basket. (laughs) You know, and there will be lots of people there, and it will be joyful, and sorrow will be present because Rachel's missing. Mm. And that will always be true until the end of my life. And my mom and I talk about this a lot. There is no more joy for us without sorrow. Sorrow will always be present with the joyful things. We go to a softball game. Like last night, my niece played. So fun. Yeah. Man, I'm missing Rachel. Oh, missing man. her on a softball field. Yeah. Um, anything. Like any, there are things that come up and you're just like more aware in those moments. I mean, she's gone every day and we miss her. But in those really joyful moments, sorrow's just going to be present. Yeah. And I think, so in the first year, couple years, it was just the sorrow was heavy, heavy, heavy. And now there are, there are times when we're joyful, but it's just the sorrows also in the room. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it's different in that way. And I certainly, I probably still cry every day. I'm kind of a crier, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't, uh, weep in the same broken heartedness way. Um, I guess the Lord, that's just the Lord's work. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and I think I talk about it a little bit more, freely, you know, yeah. um, I, I'm more willing and able to say it out loud without being brought to my knees. And again, I never would have thought that possible, but yeah. that's just, the and I know, point. you know, the stuff that, that I've seen you post on social media, I think it's huge one. Like there has to be a certain like release that you get from saying, Hey, mm-hmm. this is what I'm dealing with. But the biggest thing is like, I read your stuff and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's so good. <laughs> You know, like, I just, I'm like, oh my gosh. So like, I think it's twofold, right? Like it's, it's helping you because you're like, man, it feels good to talk about it. You know, it's part of the process, right? but it also is you're helping people that you have no idea. Like I've never told you that, you know, like I've never had that conversation with you, but I I don't write it for other people. You're right. Like I really don't, but I read it and I, I, I apply it to me because that's what we do. Right. We're, we're very, uh, you know, we're very, uh, Hey, all about me, that kind of thing. But, um, so I read what you write and I'm like, man, and and it's, for me, it's two things. I'm like, my heart hurts because you're hurting. Mm -hmm. But then I think about the losses that I've had. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, how does that, how does what she said, how does that affect me with the losses that I have gone through? You know I mean? And it's like, wow. And it's, so I read it and I'm like, that's so good. That's so good. I mean, that's, I did, I don't know that I, I, I love to write. I've written since I was a little kid, just been writing stuff. And 
you know, m- maybe one day I'll write a book. Um, maybe I've already started that book. Um, but I don't have a bunch of time. So uh, <laughs> it doesn't always uh, get done. But it does help me whenever I sit down to do it. Um, and I'm glad to know that it helps other people. I think I I don't know why I, I put it on social media, except that Rachel, like, forced me to have social media. <laughs> she was like, I want all my friends to see your cute children get on Instagram. <laughs> Like, and by the um, way, I love seeing the pictures oh and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's good. It's There's, good. It's like we're not cute. <laughs> That's not if true. you're going to find me on social media, lower your <laughs> expectations. No, I don't do like we're posing and we got family pictures done. I don't. We don't do that. Keep it real, sister. Dude, that's, what it, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it's about. What else to do? Yeah. Hey, j- so just so that people can't find you, um, can sure. you can you tell people your social media, um, <laughs> like. Are you okay, okay with that? Yes. Oh, man. Um, I am on Instagram. That's all I'm on. We're on Facebook, but I'm not going to tell you. Because it, yeah, you're, it's you're... too weird. On, and I never get on Facebook, honestly. It's bad for my heart. But Instagram seems okay. Yeah. Um, at Nori, N-O-R-I-E, Mew, M-U-E. That's me on Instagram. That's it. And you can so find go me. go follow her because yeah. and I, mean, I write her... stuff on a blog and it's I think the link is on Instagram, but I'm not on my blog that much, but I, I was during those first couple years of grief I think I shared yeah. some stuff on the yeah. blog so yeah yeah so let's let's wrap this up by you know you we, we keep talking about your four little ones yeah um and and just like you know when when my grandmother passed it's really important for me for my niece and nephew mm-hmm. to know about her and yes. to know what she was yes. like yes. and yes. even though she's not here for them to have a relationship with I kind of feel like it's my job absolutely to to, to tell them about her, you it know, is. and yeah. So, yeah. so tell me what are some things that, that you do so that your kids yeah. know Aunt Rachel? Auntie Rachel. That's yeah. Her. Okay. So love that question. Yes. <laughs> Cause it is so important and kids, they're going to grieve differently. Um, and they, mine have, and there've been times when there are tears and there's been time, like the other day, Lucy Ruth said she's six and extra. Uh, she goes, why doesn't Auntie Rachel ever text us from heaven? And I'm like, great question. That is a no phones in heaven. Uh, <laughs> she's like, oh no, how are we going to play games? Yeah. And so like, just they're thinking about it. Even if, if that's great, they're thinking like I, that was unprompted. I was doing the dishes and she's just like, Hey, I got this question. So they're thinking about it and processing it in their own way. So it is important. I think for you to, to one grieve in front of them, cry in front mm-hmm. of them, t- be honest with them, what you're doing that's good. and why you're doing it. But yeah, storytelling, man, we love to tell Auntie Rachel stories to mm. them and with them. And I have a friend who, who lost her mom, um, suddenly when her mom was in her sixties and they have, they have six children. Yes. Wow. Yeah. They have six children. And so the youngest was like a baby, but in a few years, she told me this story. She was like, the other day, he was telling a story about her as if he had been there. And she was like, he he wasn't there. But he That's thought great. he was because he'd heard the story so many times. He's like, yeah, I was in on that. And they're not going to correct him because it's a beautiful way for them, right. for him to remember his grandmother. And that's what I hope is true for my kids that they hear. And I mean, you know, they were, Emma Jean was eight when it happened. So she definitely remembers and Maisie Grace does. Lucy and Arthur, not as much, but um, 
we we talk about her a lot. We have pictures of her yeah. in the house, and it's just normal to see Auntie Rachel. Mm. And we go to softball games. You know, she got inducted to the Hall of Fame for North Greenville, and they did this other thing for her. And we go there, and some girls she play, she coached were in Columbia last week, and one of them plays at USC. And we went and watched her, That's and we great. get to say these are Auntie Rachel's friends. Yeah. And then we do fun little things, like every birthday they get an Auntie Rachel present. Because if uh, she were here, she'd yeah. buy him a present. Oh, yeah. You know, like oh, yeah. just stuff like that. And and remembering her um, in our prayers and our grief, you know, when we pray at any time when we feel like she's missing, um, like on Sunday, I'm sure our prayer will be, Lord, comfort our hearts because we miss Auntie Rachel. Yeah. And just little things, you know, little drips on their little spongy minds and hearts yeah. that they soak in. Yeah. So it becomes a part of their story because it is a part of their story. It is. Totally. It is. Um, and, and it's a great way to preach the gospel to your kids. Oh, My yeah. Goodness. Yeah. It's really, really great way. I was going to say, and, and, and then, because with kids, you know, they have so many questions, you so know, many. like there's so many why questions. Yes. Why did that have to happen? And why is Auntie Rachel in heaven? And, right. you know, why did Jesus take her? And why? why you know, right. Like, I can only imagine so the, many. the amount of why yes. with four little mouths. Yes. Right? Yes. There's so many. And I think just n- having the freedom to say, I don't know. To all, mm. to, you know, you don't have to answer every one of your kids' questions. That's ridiculous. Like, that would never end. <laughs> and just being like, I don't know, but the Lord does, and he's keeping us. You yeah. know, and then answering some of them, like, can we fly in heaven? Well, I can't answer that, actually. But, like, some of the silly ones were like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Is there softball in heaven? Oh, yeah, for sure there's softball in heaven. It's wonderful. <laughs> like, uh, he gave us gifts, and softball is a gift that some of us have to play it well. So, yeah, I'm betting yeah. she's playing softball. Yeah, bitch, for sure. That's awesome. You know, silly things like that. And there's a few really great kid books as well that just help children, I think. One that I'll mention is Goodbye to Goodbyes, mm. and it's the story of Lazarus. And it's written by Matt Chandler's wife, actually, Lauren Chandler. And it's, it's I really mean, cool. I love it. It's just a sweet little – it's a for little little kids picture book. And then yeah. for a little bit older kids, I, you just can't really beat the Chronicles of Narnia. There is uh, grief yeah. just written throughout the story and, yeah. and just beautiful – yeah, it's just beautiful truth all the way through. My kids love it. So That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, what a great way to preach the gospel oh, because uh, as we were sitting here, we're actually doing this podcast uh, in my office and I have a picture hanging on the wall and it is uh, a picture of, of Jesus with mm-hmm. his arms wrapped around a girl and she has, she's just wrapping Jesus up like her, her arms are around him mm-hmm. and her face is, I would say completely full of just overwhelming joy. Yes. She's crying, just overwhelming yeah. joy. And the crazy thing is when Nori saw that picture, she kind of had a little bit of a freak out mode. talk. <laughs> Yeah. And she was like, Oh my gosh. And I was telling her like with the work that I do for FCA fellowship of Christian athletes, I want every kid. I want every coach. I want every player, every person that I interact with. I want them to have that overwhelming moment of meeting Jesus face to face. Mm -hmm. Like that is it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. And the really cool thing is uh, there was somebody that had given your mom a mm-hmm. print mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. And, and, and what did they, this is, this is what Rachel got yeah. to. This is what happened when she, you know, opened her eyes. Ah, and that's just, that's unbelievable. She's running into the arms of Christ. And I drink out of a coffee cup that has that exact print on it almost every day of my life that my mom gave me. 
That's amazing. That's just a wink. That's that is a God wink because absolutely that picture's hanging in my house. So I can't. <laughs> I can't. I mean, like, yeah, he's too good. We think yeah. we write good stories, but no, no, not no. Like him. I was gonna say nobody writes a story like God. No, right? That's right. Well, man, I um, I, I think about Rachel often. Mm. You know, it's one of those things that every once in a while something will something will happen and and she will pop up and. Um, I can still remember me coaching FCA and, and coaching the kids that are, you know, going to college and wanting to get scholarships and all that kind of good stuff. And I can remember her. I want to say it was when she was coaching w- at Shorter um, mm-hmm. with one of my former players. Yeah. And um, the joy mm-hmm. that she would have, like yeah. running up and hugging. Yes. I mean, it was just, I can vividly remember yes. one of the last times I saw her and we saw each other at a park <laughs> kind of across the, you know, and I was like, hey. like I was talking to the team and I think I was just like, okay, you guys are going to have to just, just hold Excuse on. Just wait. For one minute. Right. Yeah. And it was just one of the, like, she was always giddy to see yes. you. Yes. Yeah. Like, I just felt like she was always giddy, yeah. you know, just to be like, and it was just, you know, we just hugged and, you know, asked asked each other how we were doing and had great conversation. But just the sheer joy that yeah. Rachel brought. Yeah. I mean, it was really cool. So I think about that often. That. Thanks for sharing. That's yeah, good. That's good, right? Well, guys, I hope this, man, I hope this is super helpful. It's been helpful for me. And uh, go find Nori and all of her cute redheaded kids <laughs> on social media. By the way, Arthur's hair. His hair cracks me up. Oh like, it's goodness. just kind of, is it still like, like kind of, it's like a porcupine. It's the last yes. picture. I- <laughs> need a haircut. <laughs> but it's cute, Charlie, man. cut like- your son's hair. <laughs> yes. No, I don't know. He's so bad. It's okay. I mean, he's so good, but he's the youngest and he's a baby. And he's, he's spoiled. And he's the, he's the only boy. Only like, boy. So this, there's, God's got big plans for him. Pray for him. I don't- <laughs> Pray for his wife. <laughs> That's right. Goodness. Yeah, his wife. Those poor girls. Yeah, she's going to have three sister-in-laws that are, they're, they're, they seem pretty. Intense. And that's, I was going to say just, they know what they want. Yeah. That's how, that's how, like, that's how I have them in my head. Yeah. You know, like they know what they want. They do. Let's go get it. Yeah. And it might be three different things sometimes. (laughs) God bless you. Thank you. But honestly, people like you and Charlie, you guys should have the most kids. Like you guys, people like you, you guys should be popping out kids like it's your job. Uh, all right? I think so. we're done with it. <laughs> we, we're good. But good people need to have kids. You Absolutely. know, like Amen. good people yeah. that love Jesus and, and they're, that are going to love their kid and, and, and bring their kid up in the way that is going to honor Jesus. Those people need to be you having gotta, kids. Yeah, you need to so, have kids. They, yeah. they humble you. And <laughs> it is a good humbling. Yeah. And they bring you joy. Oh man, that's so great. Um, well, Nori, thank you for your time today. This has been awesome. I have, I've loved being able to talk about Rachel and being able to talk about your experience. And so there's no doubt in my mind that God will use this to help somebody else going through it. So guys, um, hope this is helpful to you. And, uh, Hey, here is to having a good rest of the week and here is to being all jacked up. Mm -hmm.